The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. You're listening to the Fade to Gray Network. Ladies and idiots. This is the Fade to Gray Podcast. I ended up finding out what transgender was when I was 17, I want to say. And it was something that I immediately was like, yes, this is, this is me. This is it, it, it was weird. There were times where I was in the room with like eight people, and there were three different lives going, and everyone would just keep, keep them going, keep them continuing. What do you think about the Fade to Gray podcast? It sucks. Nice. We out. We out. Welcome back to another episode of Fade to Grey, where we're doing the relationship series here. We have gone from vanilla to chocolate to all flavors in between. And today, we have this very special guest, a friend of the family. He's a Patreon member. I met him through another podcast um, called Your Atheist Pastor um, with Stephanie. Go, go check that out. I'm not sure what number Nick's episode is, um, if you want to get more of any of his backstory, but he goes into a lot more detail of his story there and his like, conversion from growing up in a conservative Christian background um, to kind of like what he thinks about God now. May ask him a couple questions about that. But Nick is a, a trans man, which means that he was born female and has transitioned to, to male. And let me tell you guys, like if I had not listened to his episode with your atheist pastor, I never would have known because he is definitely passing. Um, we're going to talk about dating and I believe um, marriage and divorce and all, all points in between. So Nick, Nick welcome. Thank you. Thank you. It's uh it's great to be on. I listen to I've been listening to the show a lot more recently since uh since knowing all of you guys and it's been a lot of fun. It's been great. It's been great having you around, man. Thanks for doing this. Thanks for being able to open up and give us a peek into your life and talk about relationships and dating. So first of all, just like um for those just catch us up real quick, um, who you are, a little bit of your background, um, you know, maybe what you do for a living and then yeah. you've been mar- you've been married before, so yes. tell us about that as well. Um well uh a little bit about me, at least uh right now. Uh I just turned twenty five last month. Uh work as a McDonald's manager, that's pretty recent. I just got another job at a donut shop, which is pretty exciting because you know, who doesn't love donuts? And uh yeah. Um, as you said, uh, I've transitioned from female to male and, uh, I have been married and divorced. Well, actually, technically I'm not legally divorced. I'm still separated. So were you transitioned before you got married? Um, not physically. Um, but I definitely knew. And, uh, but my ex-wife was actually very understanding with that. Uh, very helpful with that, uh, especially, you know, with the uh, body dysphoria and things like that. So, you know, she, I, I am grateful to her for that. Okay. So uh, let's talk a little bit about that. So um, how old were you when you got married? 21. 21. And you were knowing that transitioning is something that you were, um, something you were thinking about at least. How long were you guys dating before you decided to get married? Uh, we started dating when I was 18. So three, three years. Okay. And during that whole that whole period, like uh, I mean, obviously that's an interesting period for anybody in their adolescence. You know, you're you're just graduating from high school, and all the pressure you have, or the peer pressure from that, and you're just kind of just trying to discover who you are as an individual. That happens naturally for anybody at that age. Um, so, but like, you guys are dating, and t- uh, what's that like? As you're going through, like you already knew at that point too what you're going to be doing in the future with. Yeah. Um, at this point, I was in my second semester of uh, high school for senior year. And I, okay, so I had a very religious upbringing and I went to a private Christian school from uh, kindergarten through eighth grade. Obviously, uh, I had no idea that being, you know, that being transgender was possible. I didn't know what it was. And um, I ended up, uh, 
I ended up finding out what transgender was when I was 17, I want to say. And it was something that I immediately was like, yes, this is, this is me. This is what I am. So the thing is, I wasn't in a relationship at that time, so I didn't really have to deal with that right away. But when I started dating my ex-wife, I told her about it right away because I'm like, you know what? I don't want to end up in a relationship where this is going to be a problem down the road. So I told her and she was very supportive. She said that, you know, if, if that's who I am, that's who I am. She called me Nick. But I didn't go through any outward change until after high school because at that point I was like, I'm so close to graduating. I don't want to try to change that in the middle of high school. I don't want to try to go to all my teachers and explain that. I don't want to face, you know, the people that have been calling me something else for, you know, over half the time I was there. And then suddenly the last semester I'm there, try to change it all. So I was like, I'll just wait till college. And um, that could be hard. I could see that. Yeah. So I was like, I'll just wait till college. And, uh, but she was supportive of that. Her, her herself, she called me Nick um, in school, outside of school. She introduced me as Nick to her family. Um, they all knew, but, you know, at the same time, they were also very accepting and stuff like that. And it was great. They uh, were very welcoming. And uh, what was that was, like being raised in a conservative family? And I know a little bit about your story with your dad. And again, if you guys go check out your atheist pastor, um, we'll have in the show notes the number um, because he numbers all of us. I think it was three. 32 i think it was 335 but it could be 32 330 something it's it's right in that area guys so and they're all good so check them out yeah i think the i think the title is my first lesson was about hell so if that helps so you are in high school you're 17 years old you're dating this young lady um she's very accepting her parents are very accepting um What's that like coming from like having a, a dad who, you know, pretty much is willing to disown you um, for your choices to like, an, you know, another set of parents who are willing to just love you and accept you the way you are? It was it was very different. I mean, yes, I was um, obviously happy with it and it was a wonderful feeling. A little part of me, though, I, I won't lie, was kind of suspicious of it all. Mainly, I think, because I feel my upbringing was, you know, close-knit, we-love-you type of family, but really not. So, you know, part of me was like, oh, maybe they're just kind of pretending for now, or maybe this will be an issue later. Um, but, I mean, for the most part, it wasn't, which was pretty good. Uh, and it was, uh, but overall, it was, a, it was a nice feeling to have that acceptance. Wow, I'm just imagining a young Nick in high school, like hearing for the first time from his friends that transgender is even a thing because you've been sheltered even from that, even being a possibility or reality for you, you know, and then from that into finding this, this person who obviously, um, I don't want to get too far into the story, but obviously you guys you know, started discussing marriage at some point, you know, and you're, and you're being accepted by their family as one of their own. So how long, um, did you guys date? before you know you knew that this is who you you were wanting to i guess potentially spend your life with it's supposed to be what what they tell you what you think <laughs> a year which um a year yes but as as we when we got engaged i did tell her that i kind of wanted a longer engagement and i you know, I'm willing to put in the work and effort for it to just be us, obviously, and to work towards marriage because I did want to work towards marriage. But I did want us to take a little bit of time, you know, get our finances in order and have a place, you know, actually have like a house, you know, not just be in like apartments or something like that um, before we got married. And, uh, you know, she agreed to that, which uh, turned out to not happen. <laughs> So you guys had a plan to like have a long engagement and then, so what, what changed that plan then? Uh, she just kept bugging me to get married. <laughs> <laughs> so did you have like a nice formal wedding with like uh, friends and family or was it a yeah, I mean, shotgun had, sort of wedding at the courthouse? We had at the courthouse, we had some friends and family, but you know, it was 
it was a courthouse wedding, which I didn't want, but she did. That was my next question. Yeah. So you were, you were one of the more traditional type of wedding. Um, no, not like it's, I, I mean, it didn't really matter to me where or how it's just at that point. Um, I mean, I guess I'll be honest. I knew it was a mistake, but for some reason I did it anyway. Interesting. Yeah. So what was the, was it just a gut feeling or were there some red flags that let's talk about that a little bit? Like um, what was the, the, the intuition that was doing that? It was definitely a gut feeling, but I kept, I guess I justify it to myself as it wasn't as long of an engagement as I wanted it to be, but you know, she is someone that I do want to be with forever. So, you know, maybe, you know, she's, she's waited at this point almost four years. So I'm like, maybe, you know, that's my fault. I just didn't feel we were hundred percent ready, but, um, you know, I, I went ahead and I did it because she kept saying, let's do it. Let's do it. You know, this, that, the other thing. And uh, another thing that she always wanted as well was a baby, which obviously for me is not something I could just make happen. Uh, and uh, that caused some slight issues as well. But I also told her I wanted to wait until we were after after marriage for that. So I think that's another reason why she kept pressing for the marriage. So how long before that gut feeling started becoming a reality? Like, um, I'm sure there was a honeymoon period for a period of time. And so when did that like start to become more than a gut feeling? Uh, pretty quickly within probably the about six months after we got married. And it was just like irreconcilable. Sorry about that. It was just like irreconcilable differences or. Um, no, the relationship got kind of, uh, verbally and mentally abusive and manipulative. And uh, after a while, it was just something that I did not want to be in. And I could not handle very well. So I, I, I left. Sorry about that. Sorry to hear that. Oh, it's all right. It's in the past. All right. So six months in, started getting kind of nasty. Um, you started, you know, started being attacked, but you stuck with it for another two and a half years. Uh, I um, stuck with it for did, a year and a half. Did you guys, um, horrible at math. I feel like Chris right now. <laughs> um, so did you got, did you guys try counseling or was there so like, were you able to talk about obviously like, this isn't okay. You know, you can't speak to me in this way. Like how, how did you, was there any sort of mediation whatsoever? Um, I tried for all of that. Um, we had conversations, you know, where I told her, you know, that I didn't like how she spoke to me about this or, uh, the, cause all right. Uh, cause it's going to get brought up her specifically, but the whole family had issues with lying not just to other people, but to each other as well. Even on things that there was no reason to lie about. Like as something, something as simple as, uh, you know, oh, you went to the gas station, and then you came home. And you're like, yeah, that's all we did. But, you know, like maybe we stopped at the library for a second. Or, it, or maybe the opposite where, you know, she'd be like, oh, we went to this place, we went to that place, and it was great. And she would tell them stories. And I'm like, we never did that. It almost seems like, they're lying just to avoid conflict in any sort of way. It's just like, no, it's just they, easier would, they would to make like, up lies to create conflict as well. Huh? Okay. Well, I was, yeah. <laughs> I was thinking oh, maybe it was one of those things where they're just like, yeah, sure. That's, you know, no, they were, uh, they, they would like say like, Oh, you know, Christy, the mom, her mom, you know, said this about Heather, the older sister and you know, this, that, the other thing. And then that would cause issues between the mom and Heather. And you know, wow, that's weird. Yeah, just the, and it would be, I guess, kind of it, it, it was weird. There were times where I was in the room with like eight people and there were three different lies going and everyone would just keep keep them going, keep them continuing. And it got to the point where I had so many, so many uh, problems just trying to keep the original story straight because I'm like, I don't even know what's going on anymore. 
I can, your head was just spinning. Yeah. All right. So, so what was that like then once you knew, okay, you know, what was, was there a final straw or was there? Um, yeah. Yeah. There, there were a couple. Um, as, as time went on in the marriage, I realized, cause I kept thinking to myself, like she would never lie to me or at least not lie to me about important things. But then I realized that she was, and, uh, then she started staying out for a certain amount of time and coming home late after I left for work or leaving as soon as I got home from work. So she wouldn't be around. She wouldn't really tell me who she was with. Um, and uh, she couldn't drive. So I usually took her places and I took her to um, yeah, a therapy session every, uh, every week. And when we started having problems, she would tell me things that, you know, she would tell her therapist and her therapist would say back about our issues. And she just kept coming back out saying that her therapist told her that she thinks that I am manipulative and abusive to her. And I'm like, well, that sucks. Cause you know, I was wondering if you could ask your therapist if maybe I could come and talk to her about, you know, like, cause uh, my ex-wife had suffered some sexual abuse as a kid. Uh, without going too much into that. And uh, I didn't really know how to help in certain situations during flashbacks, things like that. So I was, you know, thinking that maybe if I could talk to her therapist for a session, maybe I could ask how are ways that I could help her and be a better partner for someone who went through sexual abuse, you know, especially because, you know, if we're having sex and she has a flashback and she starts crying, you know, like how, how am I supposed to be the best for her in that situation? But she, you know, kept saying that she doesn't think that's a good idea because her therapist thinks that I was abusive. And then other times, uh, you know, like she would tell me, oh, we went to this place. You know, one time she told me that uh, the apartment complex opened the swimming pool for the year. And she's like, oh, I'm going there with, you know, the family. Okay, cool. But then I received an email from the complex saying that uh, they, you know, apologized because they couldn't open the pool and that they'll let us know when the pool is open. And I asked a couple of other friends of ours that were in the building as well. And I was like, hey, did you guys go to the pool yesterday? And they're like, oh, yeah, but, you know, it was closed. So we came back. So I asked her again, you know, like, how was the pool yesterday? Oh, it was great. I heard all these stories about her and, you know, our nieces and nephews at the pool. And uh, so I showed her the email. And, uh, you know, I, I asked again, you know, where were you? And she insists that they were at the pool. Hmm. And uh, so I told her, you know, that other people said that the pool was closed yesterday. And she said, I don't know what to tell you. We were there all day. So, all right. And then my mom had a cancer scare for a moment. And, you know, I was stressing about it. My mom was obviously stressing about it. And one day I came home and my ex-wife says that, uh, she was talking to my mom on the phone and they were talking about, you know, whatever. But then my mom said something along the lines of now that I might have cancer, when are you guys going to give me a grandchild? And that really, really scared me <laughs> and messed me up because, you know, I'm not having a kid for just my, my wife at this point, you know, like I, you know, if, if anything's going to push me over the edge to go ahead and try to do that, it would probably be my mom. <laughs> um, and so that messed me up for a couple of days and I went to go have lunch with my mom to talk about it. And my mom ended up yelling at me in front of everyone at this restaurant about how silly that was, how stupid that was, how I'm not ready for a child. I can't financially support a child, but would make me think it would have, be a good idea for me to have a child. And that's when I told her, I was like, well, you know, so she said that that's what you told her on the phone. And then she, uh, she looked at me and she said, I have been spoken to your wife in months. Wow. So, so that at that point I told her, you know, I think I'm going to get a divorce. And she was like, why you've only been married for a year and a half. And I was like, because, and I ended up just unloading to my mom. I told her about, you know, the horrible things that my wife had said to me, the things that, you know, she has been having me do. Um, the lies that she has told me and uh, that I just couldn't do it anymore. And I, w I fell back into a very bad um, self-harm mm. uh, 
I guess, depression state at that point. And, uh, you know, I told my mom, I was like, I can't stop because every time I go home, we fight and I don't want to fight, but she keeps following me around and she, you know, calls me all these names and she says these, these things because my, my ex-wife wanted to be a housewife. And I told her that wasn't a problem as long as she was a housewife, right? You know, clean the house, take care of the dog, make food. But I would come home from working two jobs to support us and the house would be a mess and the dog would be freaking out to go outside and nothing to eat. So I would end up cooking and cleaning and walking the dog and stuff like that. And because she couldn't drive, driving her wherever she wanted to go. And there were some times where, you know, because all she did was watch TV, so she would be bored a lot where I would come home and she would want to have sex. And I was tired. And I would tell her no. And it got to the point where we were having so many fights where I just didn't want to be with her because I wanted to just have some space and time. But she got to the point where when I would tell her no, she would either start crying and saying that I think that she's ugly or something like that. Or she would start crying and saying things like, you know, it's because of her her abusive past, you know, that happened to her that I don't want to touch her and which also wasn't the case. Or she would get mean about it and then be like, what kind of man doesn't want to have sex? And that would really fuck with me because, you know, then I felt like I had to prove myself because, you know, I'm a I'm a man. And then I would It's like it's like she knew which strings to push and like if one button wouldn't work, she'd try another button, you know, to yeah. get the reaction that she wanted to get from you. Yeah, and it got to the point where she would have me end up begging her to have sex, even though I didn't want to at all. And, you know, she would make me work for it. And so I told all this to my mom and you know, my mom said that she had no idea and I should get a divorce. <laughs> So she agreed with me. And um, so I, I think I waited for about a month because I was still kind of unsure. I was like, you know, maybe we can make this work. But throughout the whole last year, I went to her several times saying, we need to fix this. We need to fix that. And she would be good for a week or two. And then it would just go right back to what it was before. And at the very beginning of our relationship, because um, we were young and stupid and didn't know shit about shit um she and i really wanted that whole like uh bdsm type of relationship but the older i got the less i wanted to actually live it out 24 7 because you know responsibilities in life (laughs) um but i think because she never you know really started life and just mostly stayed at home she kept wanting that and one of our fights at the very end of our marriage constantly was her saying that I was not abusive enough to her and uh and I told her that's because I don't want to (laughs) be and I don't want that but you know that that was one of her biggest complaints about me even though you know I guess it's a bad thing to her therapist but yeah it seems like I mean there should be like some you know group or couple therapy going on and it's like it's interesting that I mean the therapist can't recognize if she's being lied to or I mean it seems like if she was the therapist was actually concerned about like an abusive situation shouldn't there like been some sort of intervention or some sort of I don't know especially if the uh the abuser asked to join a session at some point to discuss things like you think the therapist would be like yes (laughs) bring him in yeah I at this point, it seems like you had almost, you can't even believe her because the ther- like she, therapist may not be saying that at all. Yeah. <laughs> or, or she could be making up stories to, to her therapist and the therapist is saying that. Either way, you, you don't know. And nothing that you're hearing is making any sense and you're seeing it as a, a repeated pattern in, in the family. So I can, I could definitely see where you're looking for the nearest exit sign. Yeah. Um, and so uh, one day I came home from work and um, she wasn't even awake two minutes before she started fighting with me. And one of our other constant problems was ever since the beginning of the relationship, I was always being accused of cheating constantly with literally every single female I came across. Um, you know, my female coworker, her husband didn't pick her up from work 
when we closed the store because he overslept. I waited with her the 45 minutes that it took for him to get there because, you know, I didn't want her to be alone. To my wife, I was fucking her. <laughs> and, uh, you know, just all, just all those things like that. Um, and at the... And, and ha- have you always just been attracted to females? No. Too? No, I... I uh but, but but she was only jealous of females? Yes. Yes, I'm I'm definitely majority like towards women. Women are great. Um but yeah, she would be jealous of every single female that I came into contact with. And um so at the end when I said I want a divorce, the first thing she said was who are you fucking? <laughs> and uh and then she, and then, you know, I said, no one, she was like, then where's this coming from? And, you know, I told her, I'm like, we've tried, I've tried to come to you so many times. And I told you this will not work if you keep doing this and you just keep doing it. So she cried and argued with me and kind of begged me for only about five minutes. And then she was like, fine. And left the house, um, called her sister to come pick her up. And uh, our roommate at the time was actually her niece. So she woke up her niece and was like, Nick wants a divorce. I'm leaving. That was awkward because <laughs> uh, yeah. she's leaving. I'm going to be in this house with her niece. Um, and even her niece, I heard from the room, you know, like, you know, where, where the hell is this coming from? I don't know. I was like, I just told you. <laughs> like, I just told you why. and. Um, so I left. I went to a friend's house after that, and I tried to stay away so that, you know, the niece could have the – or not feel like she has to, like, leave. And I told them that, you know, I would leave the apartment since it's the both of them. But for some reason, they wanted to leave, so I was like, okay, which left me the problem with finding a roommate. But uh, the aftermath of that divorce was uh, her family definitely believed that I was the abusive one. There were some social media posts posted calling me so. And um, I got a lot of messages that were definitely still accusing me of cheating and, you know, asking me who I left her for, which, you know, the answer is for me. I left her for me. But that was not an acceptable answer to them. Hmm. Huh. Sorry about all that. You know, it's always, I think that's what everyone's scared of more than anything when they start to think about the, the word divorce is the aftermath, especially because this is a family that like when probably sounds like the first family that you found like love and acceptance from and stuff. And now they're, you know, accusing you of abuse on social media. So I can't imagine that being a fun time to live through. No, no, not really. Oh, man. So, so right on. So during this whole time as well, so um, getting into a little bit of maybe some questions about, about some trans questions, if that's okay. Yeah, of course. Um, uh, were you on, uh, just t- I can't even speak. Were you on testosterone at that time um, while you were married? Um, were you going because she knew that's something that you were interested in? Um, was that something you were pursuing while you guys were still married? Is that something that you got more into after the marriage ended? Um, there was a time when I was married that I was taking testosterone pellets, which, um, now I take shots, which are a lot better and a lot easier, but the pellets are something I had to go to the doctor for every like four months. And, uh, the doctor would take this like large hollow needle and, you know, uh, in, insert in like a fatty area and put these low testosterone pellets and then the blood, it would get absorbed into the bloodstream over time. Um, wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, but it's one of the slowest uh, methods of receiving the testosterone. Um, and I was on that probably almost about a year, but I, I didn't really notice any changes at all. Um, in anything? No. In, not in your, your body or like, does it affect your personality? Um. It can give you mood swings, but I mean, okay, so basically um, when you start testosterone, you're starting a hormone um, and, you know, if, or if you're starting estrogen, you know, the other way, you're going through puberty a second time. Okay. And, you know, obviously through puberty, you do get like mood swings and stuff like that with testosterone, you know, um, aggravation is very uh, common, um, things like that. 
So, you know, there was some, but like, as far as my actual personality itself, no, um, just, just some mood swings here and there, but you know, at now it's to the point where I, it's not really doing anything for that. That year that you were taking the pellets when you were married though, um, do you think that that possibly could have like given you a shorter fuse or like less tolerance for the bullshit or something along, along those lines? I mean, obviously I'm not trying to blame it on the testosterone, but I'm just wondering like, um, during that transition, like, was there, um, you said that you couldn't notice anything with the pellets though. No, I think. No, the only, the only like thing that I may, that may have been able to happen with the pellets was like maybe a little bit of like mustache pooch fuzz, but not enough to even really notice too well. Um, as far as like the emotions and stuff like that on the pellets, <laughs> I'm sorry. I was about to just say something racist. <laughs> Go ahead. Which I know you went. Go I'm, ahead. <laughs> I just don't know if I wanted to. Because I was, was to say, I mean, but I mean, you are Hispanic, though. So I mean, Hispanic ladies kind of deal with that peach fuzz anyway. <laughs> there you go. Right. There you go. It's out there. But um, but uh, like I said, the the pellets themselves, I think they were just too slow in acting. Um. And uh, that was also another thing about the sex part is uh, testosterone raises your sex drive. And uh, that was not happening, which my wife was also very upset about because she always wanted to have sex and would, you know, say mean shit once she didn't get it. Um, It wasn't until, I think actually it was uh, right before, right before we separated is when I started taking the shots. But it wasn't until about four or six months after it. I started actually seeing results from it, including things like mood swings and higher sex drives and stuff like that, which was just in time for my next relationship. So, <laughs> so let's talk about that then. So you're, you're taking the shots now, you're starting to feel the results, starting to see the results. Um, and so your next relationship um, with another female. Yes. Um, yes. They've all been with females. <laughs> You've almost, at this point, so uh, let's let's get that out of the way though, because you said mostly attracted to females. Have you only been with females then? Uh, yes, as far as relationship goes, only with females. I have sexually been with a couple of guys, but um, none that I'd be willing to date so far. I guess. And, and apparently, you weren't into it. I mean, I was into it, but you know, not something I need all the time. I would prefer definitely women over men. All right, so that's why that makes sense. And if she knew that about you, then she wouldn't be threatened by other men, even though you may be attracted to them. Yeah. It's not like you'd, you'd be going out of your way for... Not really, no. ...do something behind her back. No. Okay, so Mood Swingy Nick found another boo. So how did this go? Um, well, I met her at work. She was a friend. And, um, you know, we would hang out. We would go play Pokemon Go after work. And... uh and stuff like that and um i got her yeah i think i think i can talk about that on this show um i got her high for the first time and uh this this other this guy actually that she liked and he and i were friends we all worked at the same place did that did that go well because sometimes it cannot sometimes you get somebody high for the first time they may not feel they may not feel it at all Sometimes it's like maybe they get too high. So it went it went, it went well. I think she didn't get as high as she probably could have, in all honesty. But um, that's probably a smart way to go for your first time. Though. But yeah, so this guy and I invited her over, and she came over. We got her high. Uh, we watched some TV, and then the second time she came over herself, I got her high, and I actually she got you know pretty up there, and she went on for almost two hours about ska music. Because that's what she listens to. And at that point, I was like, what's ska music? And I got this whole <laughs> lecture about it. And uh, she couldn't stop laughing throughout it. But, you know, uh, we, you know, she just kept coming over. We just kept talking. And eventually, you know, we just uh, started um, physically being involved. And then after about a week of that, we're just like, well, you know, why not date? And uh, at this point, she was my third girlfriend. And I was her very first relationship. So wow, yeah, no pressure, right? Was there was there a big age difference there? Uh, she is two years younger than me, I believe. Okay, not so, really. so not 
she just waited a pretty long time before she started dating. Yeah, and I guess so. Nick just sweeping her off her feet. Yeah, right. You and Mary, you and Mary Jane. Yeah, I was gonna say it was ska definitely mu- and ska- <laughs> and the ska music and the ska music. That's important. <laughs> so cool. So um, again, that's pretty quick. I mean, after a, a week, in bed, you guys yeah. were compatible. So like, um, was it? Did you guys try moving in with each other? I mean, like, yeah. Sort of, I mean, how, how did um, this relationship go? So when so when we were just coworkers, she didn't know anything about me being transgender or anything like that. Huh. I did bring it up. Um, I think right, right before I like got divorced. Cause I was talking to somebody else about it and she was walking through and I was like, yeah, she might as well know. Right. And, uh, so she knew about it at that point and, uh, we discussed it more when we started, you know, physically doing stuff, but she had no issues with it. Uh, her family didn't know for the longest time actually just because she introduced me as Nick and that was it. Um, which was pretty cool. Um, they were also very loving and accepting when they did find out. And I still think only like half of them know. I don't even think all of them know, which is pretty cool. Uh, and they were, they were uh, a really good family, but so yeah, we started dating and mm-hmm. uh since obviously I had, at this point I found a roommate, but you know, more money definitely couldn't hurt that. So I was like, do you want to move in, I guess. And uh, so after about a month, which I know was pretty quick, uh, she was like, yeah, sure. And so she ended up moving into my apartment with me and the, this other guy. And we, since we worked at the same place, same shift, it, you know, worked out pretty well. We would go work a third shift and we come back we'd sleep we bought a puppy which is the dog i have now um she actually bought him for me as a birthday gift so i was excited and uh i think she did mostly because my ex-wife took the dog and i love dogs i do so i was really sad that there were no more pets in the house and uh so yeah so she moved in probably about a month and a half after we started like being involved Okay. And how long did you guys date? A year and a half. And um, did that kind of dissolve naturally or? Um... Uh, no, she fell for somebody else at work. So that's now nice. they're together. Well, I guess that's kind of naturally. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess, yeah. But, you know, it wasn't a fun breakup. No, it's not nothing. Nobody wants to be rejected. So yeah. that sucks. How, how long ago was that? Uh, January 9th of this year. Okay. So coming up on a year. Coming up. A couple yeah. months away. Yeah. About nine months ago. All right. So broke up with your last year's relationship nine months ago. Um, so what's uh, the dating life been like for Nick since then? Um, been <sighs> on Tinder a lot? Were we uh, swiping right? What, what you got going on? I have the profiles on a few places like, like Tinder and... Um, Bumble or whatever they are. Yeah, Bumble. There's another one I have on my phone somewhere. But the thing is, I like I make the profiles. I'm on them for like a week, and then I just don't give a fuck because there's something about online dating that just sucks. <laughs> um, or you know, people that just want to have conversations, but they're very shitty conversations. Okay. Yeah, I was gonna say like I obviously I've I've been married for the last ten years, so they didn't have online dating wasn't a thing around when I was dating. It was just basically you have to go and talk to somebody face to face. Um, so, but what's your, what's your biggest hangups then with, um, what do you found with online dating that doesn't work for you? Or why you don't like it? Probably that the conversations suck. Like I, I like conversations. <laughs> I do, but you know, if you're just going to say, Hey, hi. And you know, if, if, if you, if I don't feel like you're trying to keep the conversation going, then I lose complete interest because, you know, I, I want to know if we're compatible. I do want to meet eventually. So like some people, they don't want to do that. They're like, oh, let's just trade Snapchats and that's it. I, I don't want to do that. Um, you know, uh, I do have like a, a, a grinder profile as well, which, you know, I have actually had like a few, a few dates off, you know, these apps. Um, there's another app called Whisper that's uh, 
but that's all anonymous mostly. It's like local friends I found, but I found some pretty good smoking buddies off that one. Talk to me about like Grinder and what that's like, because isn't that, I mean, obviously that that's the gay version of Tinder, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Only no one really uses it for relationships. Okay. Um, but you can find both uh, male and female there, obviously, or you can find all spectrum. Like, I mean, as far because I have gay friends and I know that like they use Grinder, you know, for their hookups or whatever. But I don't know what if there's females on there at all, and you're mostly interested in females, so you're able to find like that type of compatibility or on there or the companionship, I should say. Um, no, but no, not there's rarely females on there and most of the time they're like trans women um which i mean i would date a trans woman that's fine obviously like i, I don't judge that uh <laughs> that'd be weird if you did i'd get into that a little bit yeah right it'd be, <laughs> definitely have to have to ask more questions um but no it's just you know like, like i said um i seem to enjoy as of right now i seem to enjoy guys more physically than i do um in a relationship but at the same time i'd be open to having a relationship with a guy i just haven't uh come across a guy that i would be willing to date or at the or at the time would it just wouldn't have worked so um but i mean i have had sex with guys before and you know i do enjoy it but it's not something that i really do often so like i have these apps they just sit there though for the most part and obviously um i, mean, I don't know how that works but i mean you put everything you're looking for on that and then then do you and so do you have to like pretty much reveal to you know that that you're a trans girl i right away it kind of seems i threw that right in the bio and um just because some people are you know that's a hard no for them they don't want to deal with trying to be with someone who's transgender um you know uh and they they just don't want to do it so I, it's a way to filter that out, I guess. And then I am very specific in my bio for that, but I do have some people that um, like to ignore it and they'll message me with, you know, really crude questions and stuff like that or things that I specifically said I don't want. Like wanting to see a dick pic or something. No, something no, because like I'm that. female to male. That's not what they want to see. <laughs> Well, I'm saying if they ignore your if they ignore your bio, oh. I mean, you, and you you're present, you know, yeah, pretty male, yeah. So. Um, if they ignore the bio, but if they read the bio, then sometimes I get those really inappropriate questions where they're not curious, but they're they're just being rude. And uh, yeah, see that's and that's yeah. annoying. It seems like you get that those assholes on you know like no matter what, there's gonna be those people that are just just send me a pet, just send me a pet. <laughs> yeah yeah or not only that or they'll and, and i think what i hate most is when you know they will actually carry on a conversation and they you know maybe those because i i like to give second chances because you know i've met some people that actually you know honor it once they hear what i like so like not to be too uh vulgar but what i get is you know oh s send me a pussy pic and i'm like mm, no <laughs> and uh and i explain i don't I don't use that part of myself, you know, um, being me, being with me would be with, it would be just like with any other guy and other guys don't have vaginas. So, you know, I explain a packer to them. I explain how all that works and, you know, and then they'll be like, Oh, okay. I understand. Conversation will continue. They seem to be pretty cool. They're like, yo, let's meet for coffee. Cool. Sounds great. And then they'll be like, you know, if things go well, you know, would you want to come over? possibly if things go well and then they'll be like i want to fuck your pussy and it's just like well that's a block <laughs> like yeah you know it's uh so i get a lot of those sometimes which is another reason why the app just sits there because i just don't feel like dealing with people um it seems to work a lot better when i tend to just meet Renee someone. and laura need to get on their invention <laughs> fast yes more. sooner than later yeah i i that's can, awesome can, 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 we, can we joke about that a little bit? Or no, definitely. Let's, let's do it. I love it. Okay. Okay. So that just came up today in um, our Marco Polo guys. And I'll go ahead and plug that. we got to plug that in every episode, obviously. If you haven't joined now, um, it's for $5 a month. Now you can join in the conversation today. 
I uh, it was very interesting. I came on and listened to Renee. If you remember Renee, our foreigner um, from Andorvan, was um, speaking with Nick. And I think like probably for the first time that you guys actually had like an actual conversation. Yeah. In the group. Yeah. And um, his time his timetables are all all screwy, and he was home sick from work today. So, and I and it's pretty cool the way Marco Polo works because you it was a conversation that happened like an hour or so before I got on there, but I'm just catching up and, um, they're, you know, getting to know each other and everything. And then it, but it sparked a conversation because Renee is an engineer and, um, you know, he's asking some very personal questions so I can get into all of them. But since we're talking about, you know, body parts and Nick becoming a man and, and wanting all the full man abilities and Renee is an engineer and we have another engineer in the group as well. And so, they have been commissioned to make the best, most working penis that any trans man could ever want. And so, um, what? Are, let's talk about some of the functionalities of 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 what what, what is out there now that it and its limitations and and what the Nick two thousand is gonna gonna have. <laughs> okay, so like as of right now, I've been on a been on home hormones for about two and a half years. I got the top surgery a year ago. So the next step, next step would probably be legally changing like names and stuff like that. But the next like surgical, surgical step would be the bomb surgery. And um, as of right now, uh, it seems like my best options would be, because um, what they do is they remove skin from like the forearm or the thigh. And that's what they use to make your penis. And uh, which is pretty cool because I'm thinking maybe I can get a tattoo. So then, when they transfer it over, <laughs> I think we'll have a tattoo. Nice. Um, <laughs> have, it, have it say mom with a heart. Yes. Yes, definitely. Um, so they do that. And then it seems like you could have like a pump or something like that to cause erections. Or... Obviously it's mechanical. It can't, it can't work off of like your heartbeat. That would be a kind of That would be cool. Um, and unless you got excited, like in class or at work, and all of a sudden, like I'm, I promise, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, or like the, every other seventeen year old boy. Yeah, right. Then get really get the full experience there. <laughs> um, but or it seems like the other option, which is probably the one I'll go for. Um, there's like a flexible rod, so you can just position it to how you want, which would probably be the best option. At least I think, and uh, and then they put silicone testicles on and stuff like that as well. And uh, people it seems like the reviews are people, if everything goes well, can have sex and you know orgasm fully about six months after the surgery, which I think is pretty impressive. I thought for sure it'd take longer. Um, but also part of me is thinking, you know, well, what if I do wait like another five years? What what wonderful advancements in technology what might be out there exactly yeah. will there be then um hmm. which is why this marco polo group uh today was so fascinating <laughs> so yeah that's interesting so uh, i'm assuming you've done a, your research on this and you can achieve arousal arousal yourself too during intercourse with with this you know appendage that isn't like I mean, there's no feeling in it, correct? correct. I mean, yeah. it's mechanical. Yeah. But but the way it's designed, obviously, it's designed so you will experience arousal. Like, it's. I mean, it's fascinating to me. For well, after the surgery, um, yeah, it says like you know, uh, feeling. I think feeling starts returning, um, fully. I think within about the month after or so, um, but still like extremely sensitive and things like that. So like, there's feeling which I think is fascinating. Um, it seems like one of the yeah. shortcomings, though, is uh, ejaculating isn't, like, ejaculating. Like, yeah, sure, like, uh, fluid can come out, but it's not going to be, like, you know, regular. So that's another thing that I was like, that's what our engineers need to work on. How can... Yeah. That's going to be patent, by the way, so, yeah. <laughs> so we, we want, we no, want to that's... ejaculate. <laughs> I mean, isn't that what every man wants? Exactly, right? <laughs> and um, and also, how cool would it be if you could fill it to how you want? You know, you don't have to ever worry about the flavor. Like, 
she can choose. <laughs> she can choose oh, what uh, what flavor she wants. I mean, I guess you, you know your uh, imagination is your limit at that point. Well, I, I, I also right. used to work at a sex store, so I already uh-huh. have all these ideas and all these uh, thoughts of other products. That's like you know what that could be used with that. Hmm. I think it's very interesting. Well, there you go. So, so that, and I'm assuming that's not a cheap surgery either. No, so. no, it is not. And actually, before that, um, I would have to get a hysterectomy, um, which is fine because I have no intentions or plans of having kids that way. So, you know, um, but I'd have to get that first before the bomb surgery. So, technically, that's two surgeries, which sounds pricey. Is that something that, um, your running mill insurance plan probably isn't something that that covers, huh? Uh, no, but I do believe Medicare does it. Oh, Medicare awesome. and Medicaid, one of them, I know does the bottom surgery. They, it's like something new. Like I think last year, they they there just put go. it on. Cool. So that's exciting. Yeah. Well, Nick, thank you so much for coming on. It's been a pleasure. Um, thanks for opening up, talking about you know, man, just trans issues, the whole trans process and also just you know marriage and divorce and all that stuff no matter if you're male or female or anything in between it's 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 hard and um i just thank you for your candidness and um anything else that you want to say before we wrap things up here well um i'm definitely looking for my next relationship so if any of you guys are interested listening to this message omar yeah well i'll say Nick's a very attractive man, and if you're looking, you know, want to get to know him, or you just want to talk to him because he's you know, like a great conversationalist as well, um, join Marco Polo or message me, and I might, and I'll uh, maybe be the gateway for um, playing Doctor Hookup over here. So, um, thanks again, brother, and uh, I'll see you right here in a little bit, Marco. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. I'll see you in a bit, then. All right, see you, man. See you.